when physicians and healthcare workers get clearer on what is in their control and what is truly out of their control, it can be one of the most empowering things they do. Welcome to Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. I'm Dr. Jen Barna, and I'm excited to be here today with Jill Farmer, our lead coach. And before we get started, I just want to let you know that Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast, is sponsored by Doc Working Thrive. We hope you'll hop over, check us out at docworking.com, and see how Thrive can help you gain success in your life and career. And today we're going to be talking about tools you can use starting today to set yourself up for success. Jill, thank you so much for joining me. It's always great to have a conversation with you. So I'm very excited to hear about some tips from you as our lead coach at Doc Working. Oh, I love having these conversations with you, Jen. And I think there's so much information out there on how to make our lives better that it can be overwhelming. And so I have always found one of my favorite things about coaching is we try to identify tools, right? What are things that I can put in my toolbox? Not that I need to use all of them at once, but in a specific situation when I'm feeling challenged, can one of these tools help me to feel more calm, more grounded, more like I'm at my best? And so that's really what our conversation is about today is you and I looking at all of the physicians that we serve and noticing the tools that really stand out to help them be able to navigate challenging situations and experience more success and a sense of satisfaction, happiness, and purpose in their lives. Excellent. And one of the things I always hear you speak about is self-awareness. Can you start by telling me a little bit about what you've observed in physicians and how we can be more self-aware and why that matters? Yeah, self-awareness is a really important tool when it comes to thriving in life. And some of you are going, wait, what do you mean? We're all self-aware, right? I'm aware I'm here. But I think it's one of those things that we tend to take for granted and we don't really think of it as a skill that needs to be cultivated. And it does, especially I observe in healthcare professionals and physicians, so much of the rigorous medical education is focused on being aware of other people's needs of a huge amount of information that's needed that physicians have to take in and learn and memorize and integrate and be able to call on in crisis situations that a lot of times there's very little awareness on their own needs, their own desires, their own perceptions in situations. And what that does over time is when we ignore kind of what we need over time, those whisperings from our inner knowing start to get louder and louder and louder until they manifest in uh, situations that we end up kind of in almost crisis mode. Like something's not working. I got to change it. I got to get out. I got to do something. And that whisper has become a screen. And so self-awareness is simply learning the practice of checking in with yourself. What am I feeling? What do I need right now? What does my body need in order to function at its best? What does my brain need in order to quiet down and not be in an activated stress state? What are my other needs in terms of connection and fulfillment in life? And how do I be honest with myself about what those needs are 
so that I can do a better job of directing my energies and time toward taking good care of myself so that I can continue to take care of other people. Does that make sense? It does, Jill. And I think the word that you said that really caught my attention is ignore, because I think it's almost like through our training, we're taught to ignore these needs in ourselves in order to better serve everyone else and to push ourselves to our limits in order to be able to do that. So we learn to ignore all of these signals coming from serving our own needs. And I'm curious how we can, as physicians, begin to listen to that rather than suppress it and ignore it. I think as you eloquently stated, we all think we're self-aware, but in reality, we've been conditioned to ignore our personal needs. And so how do you help physicians to get past that so that they can become aware of that again? Yeah, I think you just said it perfectly, right? Implied in what you said is that physicians are way better than the average population at being aware of others and their needs and not as good at being aware of their own needs. And so I think part of it is just doing what you know to do for other people, which is to check in. How are you feeling? (laughs) What do you need right now? And do the same kind of check-in that you might with a patient, but with yourself, because that's going to give you a lot of information about how to best take care of yourself. Just like when you check in with a patient, you get a lot of information on what they need for you to help best take care of them. I know it sounds really simple, but it's shocking to me when I first started working with physicians 10 years ago, and now it's become so normal that I really have come to understand this, that again, becoming self-aware has gotten trained out of a lot of people. And it's really a good tool to start with, to be able to take care of yourself in a more sustainable long-term way. Yeah, I love that. And I love the concept of thinking of yourself as a patient and or someone that you love and what you would ask them to be sure that they're doing these things that they would want you to be doing. And another term that I've heard you mention, which I think ties into this is emotional agility. Can you tell me what that means? I love emotional agility as a tool. And I know that the term emotional agility is newish from Harvard. Susan David, author, wrote a book on it in the last two or three years, but it really hadn't been out there in our you know, normal conversations. But I think once you understand what it is, it's one of those things is like, oh, this helps a lot. Emotional agility is really essentially understanding how we as human beings can experience our emotions without having them either get stuffed down or take over. <laughs> A lot of times our human default that we don't mean to have happen, but it just does is when we're feeling emotions, we either stuff them down and then they come out sideways on us, right? When we least expect it, right? We don't express ourselves properly. And then all of a sudden we snap at our colleague or the nurse or the loved ones in those situations, or the emotion kind of takes over and drives the bus. And then we look back and go, oh gosh, I wish that wouldn't have happened because we process emotions at other people instead of properly processing them and regulating ourselves emotionally so that we can show up again at our best. So the term emotional agility, I think for physicians specifically, is just getting a little more, building on what we talked about in step one, self-aware of when you are feeling an emotion. It doesn't have to be a lot more complicated. With one of my physician clients, it was like simply saying, oh, when I pause and say, I'm feeling X, when I'm feeling frustrated, I'm feeling under time pressure, I'm feeling a little afraid. 
just saying that to yourself changes the reaction action cycle that's happening a lot of times in your brain subconsciously and brings it to a point where you can pause and create a little space between the emotional response and any action you might take. And that just tends to help us all show up at our best is when we get a little bit better at slowing the reaction or the stress response that we have. And it's not rocket science. It's just a matter of mostly bringing it to our awareness. That's the thing that tends to change the outcomes for us. What do you think about that? I would love to explore that a little bit further. I'm wondering about tools that we can learn to put in place so that we don't go down the dysfunctional type of paths that are more on automatic pilot for us. And we can retrain our brains to put automatic pilot on the more functional direction for emotional agility. Beautifully said. So we know that the data is there to show us when we read books on everything from burnout to regulating our stress responses, that the key home-based places for us to get better at emotional regulation are physical exercise. When we are feeling an emotion, even if you know we don't process the emotion right then, if we go out later on in the day and increase our heart rate and think about that emotion, our hormone response gets regulated, which helps us to process and manage the emotion and complete that stress cycle when we move our bodies. We also know that talking to a trusted thinking partner, not in that complainy and another thing circle way, but in a way that allows you to express yourself and get it off your chest and then think about potential ways to solve it, that can be helpful. So being in connection and feeling safe and in community with other people is an important way to regulate it. And then mindfulness, which really is just naming it, that goes back to the I'm feeling X. It doesn't mean you have to announce it to the world. But pausing long enough to get curious with yourself is a really powerful way for you to identify the emotion, giving that emotion space. It allows you to move through it and not necessarily act from it. It doesn't mean that when you feel frustrated, you just stuff it down, process it, and don't do anything about it. It just means when you have clear and courageous communication with somebody else about what you're frustrated about, you'll be less activated and less likely to attack and more likely to communicate meaningfully. And I think if anybody really wants to dive into, like, I want to get down into even more of the nitty gritty on how to process these emotions in a way to relieve stress and to regulate my stress. I have to say the course that we have in Doc Working Thrive, the Stress Pal course is a phenomenal, easy, easy way for you to learn these concepts in a more detailed way. Yeah, that is so true. It is a phenomenal tool to help to retrain the brain and gain a sense of emotional agility and to understand all of the concepts in more depth that you're touching on here. And one thing that is also really important that we emphasize throughout our programs and that I think has been tremendously helpful for hundreds of physicians really is just this concept of agency that you help physicians to identify what they can control and how does that impact a physician's ability to thrive? Yeah, I love that. So becoming self-aware is tool number one, the idea of getting a little bit better at that emotional agility and processing our emotions so we feel less stressed and kind of activated all the time. And then coming back into ourselves, like what do we have in our control and what is out of our control? 
is wildly helpful. A lot of times we feel frustrated at the system, right? Whether that's the healthcare system, whether that's the leadership in our own individual organization, and we get frustrated at them, at, you know, patients who don't believe in science, whatever the they is. And we can hyper-focus on if only they would do X, then I'll be okay. The problem with that is that our happiness, success, and sense of satisfaction is connected to something that we have no control over. And gosh, that's a tough way to live, right? We're just on a roller coaster of, I can only be okay if the healthcare system gets fixed. That's going to be a long time before I'm going to be okay, probably. And so it doesn't mean that we're pretending that the healthcare system doesn't need to be addressed or fixed, or that leadership in our organizations don't need to get better at addressing the needs, or that patients don't need to have a better understanding of science. We're not denying that. We're just recognizing that if we take a circle, right, and inside the circle, we look at the things that we're worried about that we have some control over, and outside the circle are the things that we worry about a lot that we don't have control over, we get a lot greater sense of purpose, meaning, and progress in our lives when we focus on the inner circle of the things that we might be able to impact. So with a physician client, And they say, I'm really frustrated right now with this new group that's purchased our healthcare system and they're not staffing us enough. So our patients are calling and having really long wait times to set up appointments, which means they're going other places. And so you take what's in your control, communicate frequently and often with the decision makers to try to get more people in staff. And then maybe it's additionally pooling resources and hiring some of your own staff or coming up with new communications or walk-in hours to try to help solve the problem within your own control too, as opposed to feeling more and more hopeless and drained and frustrated with something that isn't in your control. So that's what we mean by getting a little clearer on your agency and what you can do about a given situation. How have you seen agency impact work-life integration in your physician clients? I would say of all the tools we're talking about today, when physicians and healthcare workers get clear on what is in their control and what is truly out of their control, it can be one of the most empowering things they do. Again, you know, medical education is really set on this idea of letting the institution be the expert because the institution does control your life, you know, for so long in medical education, the institution of higher learning than the institution of the, you know, hospital where you do residency, the place where you do residency has so much control in your life. You can forget where you as an individual have choices. And over time, we as individuals need to recognize what choices we have because over time it drains our sense of hope, purpose, and possibility when we forget that we have choices and we forget how to exercise those choices in any given situation. And it's empowering when we remember, and then when we get to make choices that line up with our values, that is super powerful. I've been able to witness now way, way, way too many times to count as a trusted thinking partner to help physicians and healthcare professionals sort of get some support in understanding exactly where they do have choices and then to move in those directions. One area where I would say people have choices and it can be really empowering and add purpose is in the ability to create a strong team 
typically for physicians, we may be working with a small group of people within a much larger organization. And to be able to create a strong sense of teamwork and uh, team collaboration within that small group is something that often we can control and it can make a huge difference in our day-to-day lives. And it's something in a bigger context that we realized when we created Doc Working Thrive and you know, in looking at the ways we can really impact people's lives, one key component that we've recognized and that we've incorporated is the peer community because as human beings, we need to have that connection. It's such an integral part of having a sense of, fulfillment and happiness and purpose. So can you talk a little bit about how you've incorporated that into your coaching and how we have added the community and how you're seeing that impact the members who are in these different peer communities that we've created at Doc Working Thrive? Yeah, I think, you know, the fourth tool is really creating for yourself a sense of connection by feeling like you are part of a team or a community is highly underrated by a lot of physicians in terms of importance in their life. And I think it's wildly important for people. We know from the data that having a sense of community and connection, exercising your character strength of teamwork is a powerful way for people to process stress more effectively, for them to have a deeper connection to their purpose long-term in the work that they do to have a greater sense of loyalty to the place where we're working. And yet I find as wildly intelligent as every physician I've ever worked with is, they tend to just believe that this spontaneously happens. They tend to not have an understanding that a sense of community and being a part of a team is something that you want to cultivate and create. You don't just sit back and wait for it to happen. And if it isn't happening, oh, well, you just don't have it then. It's worth putting some effort in some energy and intention toward it. Now, I often will have physicians say to me, but I'm really introverted and I'm not outgoing and how am I supposed to find people? And I think it's not to make yourself into, you know, some kind of gregarious, you don't have to become something you're not. It's just looking for ways you already connect to people and remembering to really cultivate that sense. So a quick story about that. I had a physician who had moved into a new hospital setting, really excited about the professional opportunity, but was really feeling kind of isolated and alone and hadn't found people. So we were brainstorming ideas of ways to connect both outside work and at work with a sense of people to sort of create a pod. And she said to me, I don't know, it just seems like there's something wrong with me if I have to create this. My parents, you know, were first generation immigrants. And they always had such a sense of our community of, you know, other first-generation immigrants from India specifically. And so I was like, how come I'm having to work so hard? And it turns out she went and talked to them about that and kind of lamented that exact issue. And they said to her, what are you talking about? We were so isolated. We were taking you and your sister in strollers to the malls and just looking for other people at the mall on a Saturday who looked like us and then walking up to them and trying to talk to them and seeing where they were from so that we could try to build this community because we felt so isolated and alone. And she said, oh my gosh, all this time, I thought my parents had this spontaneous, organic, beautiful community of aunties and uncles that just sort of formed. And it turns out they did something extremely brave and kind of wild in order to plant the seeds for that to start. And I think that's a good reminder for all of us, not that you have to go, you know, hitting up strangers at the mall by any means, but to help 
create more pathways to connect to people where we do have a connection. It really serves us well in the long run. And I think it serves physicians beautifully when they give it a little more time and attention. I love that, Jill. And that's a wonderful story. It is inspiring if you do consider yourself to be a little bit on the introverted side to just hear a story like that. It lets you know that it is possible to kind of step a little bit out of your zone of comfort in order to make this happen for the better long run. And so I love that example. So what would you say would be summarizing all of this? Or would you say that there is a fifth step in terms of the mindset of the physician once they've incorporated these key components into their way of thinking and their routine? I think the fifth tool, which is kind of like the jackknife that has a lot of other tools built into it, is something that psychologists coined somewhere in the last 25 years, particularly psychologists and psychiatrists who studied the science of success and what makes people thrive. And that is the concept of the growth mindset, right? Under the science of success, the work of Carol Dweck and Martin Seligman and others, there's this idea that we can have a growth mindset and we can have a fixed mindset. The fixed mindset, if we're not careful, can be our preset, right? It's that idea of trying to keep us safe. It's the negativity bias that says, I'm hyper alert to threats in my environment, but I pay more attention and give them more energy than I do the possibilities. And so when there's a problem, I hyper-focus on the issue. If I'm you know, about the fixed mindset, I'm hyper-focusing on the fact that my boss is not actually listening when we tell them when we can work and when we can't work, as opposed to the growth mindset, which looks at the obstacle and the issue as an opportunity that needs to be solved, right? It allows us to get into that part of our brain that's good at problem solving and that is really good at cracking the puzzle. And when I invite physicians to think a little bit more commonly about applying a growth mindset to situations, it turns out they get to do something that often comes as naturally as breathing to them, which is solving problems. Physicians are innately fantastic often, or at least have learned through training to become really, really good at solving problems for other people. And so they can be very good at looking at the growth mindset around a patient situation, for instance okay, let's think about this option, this option, this option to deal with the obstacle of the issue that the patient is presenting with. When it comes to their own stuff, again, they tend to be a little bit fixed mindset, which is, oh, I should be better than this. I should know. I should just be able to solve this problem instead of getting curious and saying, huh, how can I look at this situation regarding myself as a puzzle to crack, as a problem to solve? In long-term People that have a growth mindset are more successful, are happier. They experience a deeper sense of satisfaction, fulfillment, and happiness. And so I think it's not something that we want to give lip service to. It's a way of life that we want to think about applying more commonly. Carol Dweck's book called Mindset, the Science of Success, I think is one of my favorite resources for this. And I think it helps encapsulate the other tools we've talked about here. What do you think about that when you hear growth mindset? It definitely makes me think about how having a trusted thinking partner can really move you forward in terms of coming to solutions, for example. So 
if you're wanting to have a growth mindset and you're approaching problems with the perspective of, okay, here I've identified a problem and now I need to think about what's in my control that I can affect and then what are some options in terms of solutions. It's really, really helpful to have, and it can be transformational to have a trusted thinking partner that you can come to and just talk that through. And that could be someone in your life who you trust, who you can have these kinds of conversations with. One thing that I've found from talking with physicians all over the country and from other countries as well, is that often the kind of problems that we're facing, that we're trying to come up with solutions for in our own lives are difficult for other people to understand. We don't talk about it with our colleagues because we don't want to speak directly with our colleagues about a problem that we may not feel comfortable admitting that we feel that this is a problem, a pain point. But by the same token, it may not be that useful to talk to your friend or your spouse or significant other who may not be a physician. And so that's where I would love to hear about from a coach's perspective, how you may be able to work with people or what experience you've seen in terms of people coming in saying, I'm ready, I want to be able to accomplish this, but I'm not exactly sure how to do it by myself, or even just the concept of, okay, I have these problems, I know I need to address them, I know I need to come up with solutions. But my personal experience was, if I'm working on this myself, it's going to take me a long time to figure this out. I didn't realize that until in retrospect, I'm looking back saying, it could have solved these problems much more quickly if I had worked with a trusted thinking partner instead of just trying to work alone. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. When we're stuck, it's because our brains are circling us back in the same neural pathways. Here's the issue. And the only solution I can think of is that solution, which I can't have. And so therefore I'm stuck and nothing's going to change and something's wrong with me or something's wrong with everybody else and me and nothing's going to change. And we all get there. It's a part of our human condition. And as physicians, you're such highly capable people that you have been able to figure out a lot of things and get through challenging situations. And so when you do get stuck, it can really stymie you. So there's a couple of really clear ways that I think we can use these tools with the help of someone else. One is to, like we have in Doc Working Thrive, where you have some form of community, a digital community with other peers and with coaches and professionals who can say, yep, part of that self-awareness, what you're feeling is normal. What you're experiencing here is not just you, right? Because when we isolate, we kind of think we're the only people that are wrong or broken or unworthy or can't figure it out. So to have a pure community of other people that can say to us, yep, I've experienced that too. And then share ideas of what's worked that aren't just our own little brain circling around with its lack of ideas on how to solve the problem or we already would have. But hearing other ideas, we don't have to take all the ideas. Some of the ideas are going to fit, just like when somebody throws clothes over the dressing room to us. Some of the stuff's going to fit, some of it's not. But it kind of breaks the log jam, that stuckness, to hear what's potentially worked for other people. And it helps us to feel safer when we know we're not the only ones. Second way is in either group or one-on-one coaching with a coach is they can help us more clearly and quickly identify where we're stuck and where we can potentially help make the change, right? Where that agency, where those choices are, and then to strategize ideas, brainstorm, and come up with an actual blueprint 
for what actions you can take that can get us out of the stuck place, build a bridge from where we are to what we want to do next. You know, that's why you created this company. And that's why I believe so deeply in the mission of this company, doc working is because, you know, physicians have all they need in many cases to be some of the most wildly capable, successful, caring, impactful humans alive. And they don't often have the resources to be able to get where they want to be ultimately because of some of the challenges that are implicit in the practice of medicine and in healthcare today. So for us to be able to provide those support systems to help them to do what they were called to do and to help all of you do what you were called to do in a sustainable, long-term and impactful way. That's why we're here. Yes. And so if you're listening to this today and you're feeling that you're interested in making some changes and you could use some trusted thinking partners, you could use some peer support. You could use some insights into the easiest and simplest way to learn to manage stress and prevent burnout throughout your career and help you thrive so you can experience success, satisfaction, and happiness. Please go to docworking.com and check out our Thrive program and see how we can help you to improve your life. Yeah. And I just want to add to that, that We did create this. So it is absolutely the simplest and easy way for you to get the tools and the support that you need and ongoing support, not just a one-off that you learn and then move on from. And also these are concepts and ideas that I've been using for the better part of a decade now with hundreds and hundreds of physicians. They're proven, they work, they do make a difference. So go to docworking.com, check out Thrive today. You are going to be glad you did. And thank you so much for joining us today on Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. We appreciate that you're here listening. We appreciate having you as part of the Doc Working community. Please let us know what you love about the podcast and what you'd like to hear more of and reach out to us at docworking.com. I'm Amanda Taran, producer of Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to like and subscribe and head over to docworking.com to see all we have to offer.